A blockbuster report claims the FBI flagged all harassment of school officials. Kindergartners learn about transgenderism and the Rittenhouse jury continues its deliberation. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your data from big tech with a VPN I trust. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, you know Black Friday is coming and that's when the savings begin. But here's the thing, you could be saving a lot of money right now by not paying your cell phone provider a lot of money for the same exact coverage you could be getting with Pure Talk. You could be cutting your cell phone bill in half if you just switch over to Pure Talk. Pure Talk will give you killer 5G coverage on one of the largest 5G networks in the country and still save the average family over $800 a year. I made the switch. The coverage is excellent. Their U.S.-based customer service actually cares about you, and Pure Talk's prices are pretty much wholesale. We've got unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. I've got other options as well. Keep your number, keep your phone, or this month, get Black Friday prices on new phones. Like you can get the iPhone 12 for just $479, which is like a massive deal. They've got a 30-day risk-free guarantee, so you literally have nothing to lose. Head on over to puretalk.com, shop for the plan and phone that is right for you, then enter promo code Shapiro. You will save 50% off your very first month and save on a new phone as well. That is puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Cut that phone bill in half. Switch on over to Pure Talk at puretalk.com and use promo code Shapiro to save 50% off your very first month and save on a new phone. All righty, so the Kyle Rittenhouse jury continues its deliberations. In the meantime, the media continue their absolutely hot takes on the Rittenhouse trial. Remember, this is just a pack of lies on top of a pack of lies. The media have told so many lies at this point about Rittenhouse that it makes your head swim. Remember, this whole thing began with the lie that America's police are systemically racist because of Derek Chauvin and George Floyd, despite the fact that there was never any actual racial evidence shown in the trial of Derek Chauvin. Then the media lied about Jacob Blake. They suggested that he was an innocent black man who was shot down by a bunch of racist white cops, when in fact, it turns out that Jacob Blake was out on an an actual warrant for third-degree sexual assault, and he was called to the scene of a of a potential crime by the girl who had alleged the sexual assault against him. The police arrived. He refused to drop his knife. He resisted arrest, and they shot him. And the media lied, and they said that the police were racist, and this was just another indicator that America was systemically racist. Then riots broke out in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is where Jacob Blake was shot. And you'll remember that the media declared that the riots were actually mostly peaceful protests. There was the famous picture of the guy standing in front of a burning building going, it's fiery, but mostly peaceful from CNN. So that was another lie. And then you had the lie that Kyle Rittenhouse must have shown up in order to do damage that night rather than in order to help. And then there was the lie that he shot everybody because he was an active shooter and he was being chased down by a mob of do-gooders. And so all of those lies added up to a media narrative that was completely at odds with all physical reality in every single one of those cases. And they're not going to let go now. So The View, which is just a, a repository of the heights of human stupidity, had, has a bunch of people who are just awful at their jobs. One of those people is Whoopi Goldberg. And she says that if the jury in the Rittenhouse trial acquits Kyle Rittenhouse of the charges of murder, despite the fact that he obviously acted in self-defense, if they acquit him, then this would be a message that it is okay to shoot both black people and white people, which is an interesting take considering that it was never okay to shoot black people who are innocent and also not okay to shoot white people who aren't innocent. And um, anyway, here's Whoopi Goldberg. So, I mean, how do you see this ending? I think it's really uh, a red light for for white folks coming to help uh, at at social justice 
uh, protests mm. because basically what they're saying is, oh, it's okay to shoot white people too. What? No. It's okay to shoot white people too. So, so somehow this has been turned by the left media, people like Whoopi Goldberg, into a referendum on whether white people ought to help people at Black Lives Matter protests because they might get shot too because they are black adjacent or something. Okay, but it wasn't just Whoopi Goldberg on The View. Tara Setmeyer. I mean, they had themselves a day on The View. Uh, the View, as I've said before, one of my goals in life is to be invited on The View because it would just be absolute carnage, which is exactly why they will never invite me on The View. I know this because I've spoken to people who have been on The View and are on The View and produce for The View. And uh, let's just say that they are never going to allow somebody like me on The View. It would be a massive mistake on their part. And they know it. In any case, Tara Setmeyer is also on The View. And she suggested that Kyle Rittenhouse is a murderer based on no available evidence. It's difficult for people who are responsible gun owners. This guy is not a martyr. He is not a martyr. He's a murderer. And this should not be, he should not be uh, empowered by technicalities like this. Okay, so, um, yeah, this is the media's hot take. And of course, it has nothing to do with reality. But the narrative always takes precedence. Always. And how many cases have the media gotten wrong over the past 10 years? Have they ever gotten a case wrong in the direction of the right? Ever? Or what... Why is it that every time they screw something up, it benefits the narrative of the left? Strange how that works, almost as though they are a propaganda wing of the Democratic Party. Meanwhile, in what is not a national news story, apparently, the Kyle Rittenhouse judge has now received hundreds of vile messages wishing most heinous homicide on his kids and threatening his own life. This is according to the Daily Mail, as reported by the Daily Wire. Judge Bruce Schrader, who's overseeing the homicide trial of teenager Kyle Rittenhouse, has received hundreds of vile messages from detractors, according to a Daily Mail report outlined last week. Correspondence reportedly sent to the Kenosha County Courthouse and reviewed by the Daily Mail revealed threats against Schrader's life, as well as on his children. A fax the courthouse received in October reads, this is outrageous. What fresh hell is this? Rittenhouse is a murderous thug and trying to protect him says a lot about this judge. Presumably, the email came in reaction to the judge ruling in a pretrial hearing for the case that prosecutors are barred from referring to the men shot by Rittenhouse as victims. We are watching, the message continues. Enjoy your term, judge. It's going to be your last. If I ever meet you in person, I fully intend to spit directly into your face, regardless of the cost. You're disgusting. Another chilling message wishes, quote, the most heinous homicide known to man on Schrader's children. One day, hope his kids become victims to the most heinous homicide known to man so he feels the pain and we will not call his kids victims, it reads. Wow, way to name white skinhead hothead to be a judge, another message says. No wonder they burned down your city. So good times. Now, if this judge had been favorable toward the prosecution and it had been a bunch of right-wingers sending these messages to the judge, you think it might be a national news story that the judge was receiving just bevies of death threats? I think it probably would. But again, the narrative matters more than anything else. Okay, in just one second, I want to get to what I think is the continuing biggest story in the country after Loudoun County, Virginia. And it is the story that parents should keep their eye on. As a parent, it is the story that concerns me the most in America. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about a great Christmas gift. I'm talking about MyPillow. MyPillow wants to give back to our listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products today if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. Get deep discounts on MyPillow's mattress toppers, towels, and so much more. For example, MyPillow is offering a buy one, get one free offer on Giza sheets. These are top quality sheets that you will love. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials for the buy one, get one free offer on the Giza sheets. Use promo code DAILYWIRE at checkout or call 1-800-651-1148. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including pillow, slippers, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. All this stuff is just top-notch product. 
It is going to enrich your life. It's going to make you feel a lot wealthier than you are, no matter how wealthy you are, because that's just how good this stuff is. That's MyPillow.com, enter code DAILYWIRE, or call 1-800-651-1148. Tell them the Daily Wire sent you. That is 1-800-651-1148. Makes a fantastic holiday gift. These deals won't last forever. Call right now. MyPillow.com, enter code DAILYWIRE, or call 1-800-651-1148, and tell them that we here at The Daily Wire sent you. Alrighty, so... The biggest story in the country right before the Virginia gubernatorial election was the battle between parents and school boards. And you'll recall that the DOJ basically acceded to a request from the National School Boards Union, the National School Boards Association, to start looking into people who are upset with school boards as potential domestic terrorists. There's a letter sent from the NSBA to the FBI and the DOJ asking them, to treat people who are criticizing school boards overtly and voraciously to treat uh, to treat them as though they were domestic terrorists. They tried to invoke the Patriot Act. And you will remember that Merrick Garland was brought before a Senate committee and he was asked about surveilling parents and checking into parents and was the DOJ going after parents for the great crime of being angry at their school boards. And here's what Merrick Garland had to say. What does the National Security Division have to do with parents at school boards? This is not, again, about parents at school boards. This is about threats of violence. Yeah. Section 223. Yeah. That statute covers the use of not just telephones, but telecommunications devices to annoy, to annoy someone. So are, are you going to sick your U.S. attorneys and the FBI on a parents group if they post on Facebook something that annoys a school board member, well, Judge? The answer to that is no. So they're not going to do that, right? They're definitely not going to track people's communications. They're not going to spend their time doing this. Okay, so now, according to the Wall Street Journal, breaking story, FBI tracks threats against teachers, school board members. Quote, the Federal Bureau of Investigation has set up a process to track threats against school board members and teachers, moving to implement a Justice Department directive that some law enforcement officials and Republican lawmakers say could improperly target parents protesting local education policies. The heads of the FBI Criminal and Counterterrorism Divisions instructed agents in an October 20th memo to flag all assessments and investigations into potential, potentially criminal threats and harassment and intimidation of educators with a threat tag, which officials said would allow them to evaluate the scope of the problem. The internal email asks FBI agents to consider the motivation behind any criminal threat and whether it potentially violates federal law. Agents should tag such threats edge officials to better track them according to the memo, which was reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. Okay, and the story continues. The purpose of the threat tag is to help scope this threat on a national level and provide an opportunity for comprehensive analysis of the threat picture for effective engagement with law enforcement partners at all levels, says the email signed by the FBI's assistant director for counterterrorism. An FBI agent provided a copy of the internal email to several Republican lawmakers, citing concerns it could open the door for the Bureau to collect information on parents voicing their opposition to local school policies during meetings. The FBI said Tuesday in a statement, the FBI has never been in the business of investigating parents who speak out or policing speech at school board meetings, and we are not going to start now. We are fully committed to preserving and protecting First Amendment rights, including freedom of speech. The new procedures were prompted by an October 4th memo from A.G. Merrick Garland, ordering the FBI to help local leaders address threats to school personnel. A move he has said was aimed at stopping violence against teachers and school staff over politically charged issues. Now, the question, of course, is why that's not a local law enforcement issue. Right? If somebody issues a threat against me, I report it to local law enforcement. That We get threats all the time. They're reported to local law enforcement. That is not an FBI issue. Why is the FBI investigating this? The reason the FBI is doing it is at the behest 
of the NSBA. The FBI, in its statement, described a threat tag as a tool to compile statistics and track information about a range of issues. The creation of a threat tag in no way changes the longstanding requirements for opening an investigation, nor does it represent a shift in how the FBI prioritizes threats, said the statement. Garland said during a congressional hearing last month that while he didn't have a full accounting of such threats nationwide, complaints from school board officials and news reports show that the problem is becoming more prevalent. Now, again, the question becomes, he was asked specifically, do you know of a serious uptick in death threats? And he said, no, I really don't have evidence of that. We just have kind of news reports. Why this merits a federal investigation and a publicly stated federal investigation is sort of beyond me. The other problem, of course, is that your trust in the FBI has been somewhat shaken over the past few years, given the fact that the FBI initiated an entire investigation against Carter Page based on the Clinton campaign just making up crap about Donald Trump and then handing it over to the FBI. And that eventually would be mainstreamed into the Steele dossier, which would be mainstreamed into the media, which would be mainlined into the Mueller report. So yeah, my, my trust in institutional law enforcement to look into quote-unquote threats by parents, I am, uh, I am skeptical, to say the least. Some Republicans say the Justice Department is thrusting the FBI into what is usually considered a local issue. They say the tactics are an effort to silence parents who speak out at school board meetings about topics such as mask mandates and how race is addressed in schools. The AG issued his directive shortly after the NSBA asked President Biden in a letter for federal help in dealing with threats by people opposed to face mask mandates for stemming COVID-19 and to the teaching of critical race theory. The association has since apologized for the letter, which suggested that the DOJ treat attacks and threats against public school officials as hate crimes or domestic terrorism. A spokesman for the group didn't immediately respond to requests for comment on Tuesday. At a House Intelligence subcommittee hearing earlier this month, several Republican lawmakers pressed the FBI on the new directive. Does the FBI consider parents domestic terrorists, said Representative Elise Stefanik of New York, to which the FBI representative said no, quoting, as long as individuals are not committing federal violations, force or violence in promoting an ideology, they would not be. Okay, but that October 20th email suggests a broad-based concern by the FBI with parental feedback aimed at school boards. According to Javed Ali, who teaches at University of Michigan, the FBI will have to tread very carefully. They can't open investigations into people showing up and protesting. When someone crosses the line of direct threats of violence, whether in the physical domain or virtually, that is crime. But the question is, why is the FBI involved in this at all? And why are they publicly announcing that they are involved in this other than to attempt to quash people suggesting criticism of public school officials? And here's the thing. Your public school officials, and, and it seems to be true across a wide variety of states, public school officials are very often directly at odds with parents. They are, they are enabling and effectuating policy that is rooted in radical ideas about gender, about race in the United States. And parents have every right to be pissed off. Every, parents have every right to radically transparent oversight of these school boards. When you delegate your kids to the public schools, you're not saying that the public schools get to educate your kid in whatever the public schools see fit. You are saying that your educational priorities ought to be put into what the schools teach your kids. Okay, that, that you are delegating. Okay, you, you, you are reserving the right to educate your kids, but you are delegating that right to the schools with the understanding that they are then not going to indoctrinate your children in a bunch of radical garbage. And yet that is precisely what our public schools are doing across the nation. I'll get to some of those stories in a second because this scares the living hell out of me and it should scare the living hell out of you okay? because the public schools are still churning out the majority of students in this country. They're affecting how families operate. They're affecting how families are able to teach their values to their children. 
It's why we need school vouchers across this country as fast as humanly possible. Every parent, not just the wealthy, should have the ability to take their kids out of the local public school and put their kid into a school that reflects their values. It is imperative at this point. And there has to be a, a radical shift in how these school boards operate. And if the school boards don't want people taking money out of the public schools and putting their kids in private schools, maybe they ought to start reflecting the priorities of the parental communities that they actually are supposed to serve. We'll get to this in just one second. First, let's talk about a simple fact. If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, you could save time and money with Stamps.com. Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, access exclusive discounts on UPS or USPS services all year long. It makes a lot of sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Here at Daily Wire, we've used Stamps.com since 2017. No more wasting our time. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip. And get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Going to the post office instead of using Stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just going up a couple of floors, sure, take the stairs, but if you're walking 30 flights a day, you really should be using the elevator. Okay, that means using stamps.com. We use stamps.com here at Daily Wire. We've been using it for years. We are not going to waste our time and money. Save time and money this holiday season with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, enter code Shapiro to get started. Okay, so here are some of the stories that are creating alarm among parents. And they should be creating alarm among parents. And they are from all over the country. So this one from Brittany Bernstein over at National Review, reporting on the situation in West Hartford, Connecticut. Quote, elementary school students in West Hartford, Connecticut public schools are being forced to undergo social emotional learning through an equity lens as district officials have reportedly told parents they may not opt out of the curriculum, which aims to teach students a set of social justice standards. Parents from the district, district contacted the nonprofit Parents Defending Education to share concerns over material being used to teach elementary students about group identities, including transgender content being taught to kindergarten students. One parent raised a red flag about when Aiden became a brother, a book being taught to fourth grade students that the parent described as full on gender theory, which is teaching students that the sex you're assigned at birth is wrong. The description of the book reads, when Aiden was born, everyone thought he was a girl. His parents gave him a pretty name. His room looked like a girl's room. He wore clothes that other girls liked wearing. After he realized he was a trans boy, Aiden and his family fixed the parts of his life that didn't fit anymore, and he settled happily into his new life. When Aiden's parents announced they're having a second child, Aiden wants to do everything he can to make things right for his new sibling from the beginning, including choosing the best name and picking out the right decor and clothes. The book asks what making things right actually means. Another fourth grade mentor texted a book about pronouns called They, She, He, Me, Free to Be. The lessons are supposed to teach students in kindergarten about social justice standards, including identity, diversity, justice, and action. The identity standard includes texts that teach students about transgender people and the use of preferred pronouns, including the inclusive singular, they. A mentor text for a kindergartner student is introducing Teddy, which tells a story about a character and his Teddy, Thomas. Thomas says, I've always known that I'm a girl, Teddy, not a boy, Teddy. I wish my name was Tilly, not Thomas. Another text for the kindergarten age group is let's talk about race. Meanwhile, a first grade text includes Jacob's new dress, a story about a girl, a story about a boy who wants to wear a dress to school. And are you a boy or are you a girl? A book about a character who prefers not to tell other children whether they are a boy or a girl. 
Third graders are reading a similar book called 10,000 Dresses about a book uh, about a boy named Bailey who dreams of magical dresses. But people in his life tell him he should not be thinking about dresses because he is a boy. But later he begins making dresses with a new friend. Fifth graders read I Am Jazz. And it feels good to be yourself, which says, quote, some people are boys. Some people are girls. Some people are both neither or somewhere in between. In an email to parents, the district's director of equity advancement, Dr. Rosina Haskins, explains that the schools have, quote, redoubled district-wide efforts to attend to the social and emotional needs of children and adults. It explains that the aforementioned social justice standards come from the framework of the Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning. Haskins writes that the group acknowledges that while SEL alone will not solve longstanding and deep-seated inequities in the education system, it can help schools promote understanding, examine biases, reflect on and address the impact of racism, close opportunity gaps, and create a more inclusive school community. So we are now indoctrinating kindergartners in Connecticut in the idea that boys and girls are malleable categories and that a boy can be a girl and a girl can be a boy because there is nothing that is healthier for a child than confusing them about their gender. Let me just explain something about children. I have three. They're seven, five, and one. If anybody approached my kids and started telling them about how they might be a member of the opposite sex, that person would be out of my house so fast it would make your head swim. This is predatory behavior upon children. Confusing children about their sex is disgusting. It's disgusting. Gender dysphoria is an actual condition. It is not a cute little thing that ought to be promulgated to tens of millions of school children across the United States. Gender dysphoria is an actual mental disorder, according to the DSM-5. Pretending that mental disorder is, is a somehow referendum on the notion that there are binary sexes in life or that your child should be taught about the supposed malleability of sex contra all science and evidence is a way for you to prey on children. It's a way for you to screw up kids who are not suffering from gender dysphoria. The belief that in service to kids who have gender dysphoria, you have to screw up an entire generation of children by telling them that inborn biological characteristics are of no consequence whatsoever is it's vile. And parents should be standing up to it at every single level. And it's not just in Connecticut. In one second, I'll tell you some more stories about what's happening at schools across the nation. First, let's talk about a simple fact. There are a lot of crimes out there that you already know about, right? You got burglary, you got, you got fire, you got people who are breaking into your house, right? All this stuff, thank God, you can, you can get insurance for, you can, you can protect against. There is one sort of, of crime that your homeowner's policy really doesn't cover. It's called home title fraud. The FBI calls title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes. It can ruin you financially, which is why you need home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home and leaves you with the payments. You'll spend a fortune in legal fees trying to prove you didn't commit fraud. Home title lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone from a cyber thief to a renter to a relative trying to forge their way onto your home's title, they help shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim, and enter code RADIO for 30 days of free protection. That is code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that is HomeTitleLock.com. Use code RADIO for 30 days of free protection. HomeTitleLock.com. Use code RADIO. That will remind them that we sent you in the first place. Okay, so it is not merely Connecticut public schools that are now teaching this sort of crap. According to the New York Post, a New Hampshire teenager is suing his school district after he was allegedly suspended from athletics for saying there are only two genders. The Exeter High School freshman said in the suit he was hit with a one-game football suspension in September stemming from a text conversation he had with another student off school grounds. The lawsuit was filed November 4th through an attorney with the Christian organization Cornerstone Action with the claim that he stated a Catholic-based belief that there are only male and female genders. 
By the way, that's not a Catholic-based belief. That's reality. Okay, because either gender is a complete spectrum in which there are an infinite number of genders, or there is a male gender and a female gender. And you can sometimes have characteristics of one or the other while being a biological male. So you can be an effeminate male, or you can be a very masculine female. But that does not change the fact that male and female are categories that exist. The kid's lawsuit also claims Exeter's policy on non-binary gender identity and pronouns infringes on his First Amendment rights. The policy says students have a right to be addressed, a right to be addressed by a name and pronoun of their choosing related to their gender identities, and also says those who don't recognize others' gender identities or pronouns are violating the policy. The student was suspended for denying that people can belong to a gender other than that of male or female. The student, it goes on, will never refer to any individual person using plural pronouns such as they, using contrived pronouns such as she, or with any similar terminology that reflects values the student does not share. The suspension came after the student had been engaged in a conversation on the bus over gender with friends over the perceived difficulty in using plural pronouns for an individual in Spanish, which uses masculine and feminine plurals. A female student overheard the discussion, allegedly told the student there were more than two genders. No, there aren't. There's only two genders, the student allegedly replied. That conversation continued in contentious text exchange, which was shown to him by school administrators in printed form when he was suspended. And so students now being suspended for the great crime of pointing out the reality, which is that male and female are categories that exist. Meanwhile, in Florida, according to Breitbart.com, parents of a 13-year-old daughter have filed a federal lawsuit against a Florida school district after officials at Deer Lake Middle School secretly transitioned her into a transgender male or a biological girl who says she wants to live as a boy, including her, including allowing her to use male spaces like bathrooms and choosing pronouns. And this, of course, is the scariest and most insane thing that is happening at our nation's public schools. It's not just happening in the public schools, by the way. It's happening in the medical context as well. Abigail Schreier reported on this case in Washington State where there was a kid who was suicidal, happened to be autistic, was put on 72-hour suicide watch. And in the process of that suicide watch, the administrators at this facility convinced the kid, basically, that he was a member of the opposite gender and then told the parents that unless they started transition processes, the kid would not be released back to them. The parents took the kid, moved out of state. The kid is still living as his biological sex, happily not in the state of Washington. Okay, now we're seeing this happen in public schools. Jeffrey and January Little John's daughter, who is referred to as AG in court filings, did talk about her gender confusion with her mother, who holds a master's degree in counseling from Florida State University. January spoke at a gathering of the Florida Family Policy Council about the school withholding from her and her husband what the school did without their knowledge or permission. She said, when our daughter told us she was experienced to stress about her gender at the height of the pandemic, we were completely caught by surprise. She had expressed no signs of gender confusion or distress in early childhood or leading up to this announcement. So we were trying our best to navigate these uncharted waters and support her in the best way we could and help her through her feelings. We found a counselor, started our own research, which led us to gender ideology. Apparently, according to a lawsuit filed by the parents, this is the Washington Examiner now, the lawsuit says the Little Johns informed their daughter's math teacher, Rima Kelly, about their teenager's gender dysphoria and continued treatment with a mental health counselor. Kelly offered to inform the school about their daughter's desire to identify as non-binary. The parents declined. A couple of weeks later, while she was getting into the car, the Little Johns' daughter mentioned the school had asked her which bathroom she wanted to use, which the lawsuit says she thought was funny. January Little John told the Washington Examiner that was the first time she became aware that the school was meeting with her daughter, assisting the teenager in embracing a different gender identity in school settings. The school claimed the child needed to authorize her, needed to needed to authorize for her parents to be at the meeting. So, in other words, according to the school, 
if the kid didn't authorize the parents, the parents could not be at the meeting. So just to get this straight, in public schools, you cannot give a Band-Aid or an Advil to a child without parental permission. But if the kid comes in and says, I'm a member of the opposite gender, the parents are not allowed to know about it, according to many of these schools, unless the kid gives permission. The Little John's attorney, Bernadette Broyles, of a nonprofit law firm called the Child and Parental Rights Campaign, said the school could not provide the text the law officials referred to. The examiner reported the lawsuit says the school district was relying upon LCS lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, gender nonconforming and questioning support guide, which expressly directs school administrators to avoid notifying the child's parents about a child's gender identity, claiming such an action could lead to the student becoming homeless. In other words, the school cares more about the kid than the parents do, which is the big lie that you're constantly told by left-wing school, public school officials. We care more about your kids than you do. Yeah, screw you. You don't. You don't. I guarantee you, parents care more about their kids on average, than school administrators do. And the belief that school administrators have any level of expertise navigating gender dysphoria is insane. It's also insane that all of these public interest groups on behalf of radical gender ideology are the ones writing the guides for the schools. That's totally crazy. So you have a left-wing organization like GLAAD writing the, the policy prescriptions for how to treat kids who are gender confused at the age of eight. Insane and non-reflective of what parents actually want. And it's not just on issues of gender ideology, radical gender ideology. It's also with regard to critical race theory, which continues to be taught in schools, despite the fact that the left continues to lie about it. So Eric Schmidt, who is a candidate for the U.S. Senate in Missouri, he, uh, he has filed a lawsuit against the Springfield public school teachers because they've been teaching critical, they've been, forcing the teachers to, to learn critical race theory at the Springfield Public Schools. So you can see some of their, some of the slides that they're being forced to learn. They were forced to learn about the quote-unquote oppression matrix. This is the teachers. That shows different types of oppression. Whether you're a privileged social group, what oppressed social groups look like. So racism, white people are the privileged social group. Asian, black, Latino, and native people are the oppressed social groups. Unless, of course, you're an Asian student trying to get into college, at which point you become part of the privileged social group. Sexism is male assigned at birth. Female assigned at birth is the oppressed social group. It gets awkward, though, because if you're a female who is assigned at birth and you identify as male, then I guess that you could theoretically be a sexist against females, but also you could be subjected to transgender oppression. There's heterosexism in which heterosexuals are the privileged social group and lesbians and gay men are the oppressed social group. There's classism in which rich people are the privileged social group and poor people are the oppressed social group. This is what teachers are being taught, that all of America breaks down into a variety of oppressed and oppressors. At other additional trainings, Springfield public school teachers were presented with images that classify education funding from property tax as covert white supremacy, among other examples. It is covert white supremacy, according to what these teachers are being taught to believe in color blindness. That is covert white supremacy. White silence is covert white supremacy. So if you just disagree with an agenda and don't say anything about it, that is covert white supremacy. If you call the police on a black person, that is covert white supremacy. Unstated is the question of whether the black person was committing a crime when you call the police on them. They have a pyramid on understanding white supremacy that, that was being taught to Springfield public school teachers. And so here's the thing. The, the, the left has taken two tactics. One, at first they claim that none of this exists and it's all in your head, which is obviously untrue. 
But the real tactic in the end is going to be just overtly defending this stuff. And this is a battle that Republicans should want. This is a battle, this, this is a battle that Republicans should, should desperately crave. According to Business Insider, quote, Democrats plan to swing back aggressively at Republicans on critical race theory claims. They've called it a racist dog whistle and a lie. But those messages haven't helped Democrats tamp down the uproar Republicans are fueling over critical race theory. Now, a misused catch-all term for teaching on race and diversity in K-12 schools, firing up protests at school board meetings around the country. Democratic strategists say the party should hit back harder against divisive GOP claims while not losing sight of the priority for voters, the economy. Jim Manley, longtime aide to former Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid, says on a political level, it's a real threat that is allowing Republicans to claw back the inroads Democrats have made in the suburbs over the last couple of election cycles. Democrats haven't yet pushed back on this issue enough, but the good news is the party's response is effective. There's time to make the case before the 2022 election, said Jesse Ferguson, a Democratic strategist. They just need to make the case relentlessly, he said. Votes run from the Republicans. When Democrats peel back the onion on what these claims really mean, he said, it's not just that Republicans want a bigger role for parents in education. It's that Republicans are willing to let white supremacists write the curricula. Oh boy, do this, man. Seriously, Democrats, please embrace this message. Please embrace the message that if I don't want my kid indoctrinated in radical gender garbage, and if I don't want my kid indoctrinated in Nicole Hannah-Jones brand of bullcrap, then this means I'm a white supremacist. Please embrace this. Please, I beg you, make this the centerpiece of your campaign. Go to war with parents. Do it. I mean, they, they, they will. The media, the media are so in love with their own masturbatory vision of what utopian education looks like. That's why Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is just a prevaricator, she's just a damned liar. And, and an ignoramus, by the way. I mean, just fully, she says fully stupid crap on a regular basis. Last week, she claimed that America dropped the A-bomb on Japan at the end of World War II in order to prove to the world that they had spent the money on the A-bomb wisely. That America basically dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki because of the sunk cost fallacy. That's what an idiot this human being is. And yet she has trotted out as some sort of massive intellectual worthy of having her curriculum taught to your kids. Here she was on The View pushing back against the CRT backlash. Well, I think we can look at the backlash to the 1619 Project, mm -hmm. uh, the, the backlash to the propaganda campaign against critical race theory, mm -hmm. and see that we are a country that has willfully, willfully um, denied this history, that has not wanted to teach it and own up to the fact that slavery is one of the oldest institutions in America. And so much of the wealth of our country was built on enslavement, uh -huh. so much of our political, legal, cultural systems. But we have been in denial about that. And that's why you see such a strong reaction to this work. No, the reason that we see a strong reaction to your work is because you're a liar, because you claimed that all of America's central institutions were founded upon slavery. And that is a lie. You claimed that 1776 was fought in order to preserve slavery. That is a lie. It is not true. OK, but. Pushback, please do it, do it. According to Business Insider, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the House campaign arm for Democrats, downplayed the threat to the party in congressional races. This fall, they tested responses to false claims about critical race theory in K-12 schools. The messages they say resonate with most battleground voters. Democrats want to teach the truth about U.S. history and honor those who fought to make the country better. Republicans are trying to divide Americans. Democrats want to deliver for American families. Please, I please, I beg you to embrace this. I beg of you to please embrace critical race theory and radical gender ideology in the schools. And they are. They are. According to the Washington Post opinion piece by Katrina Vanden Heuvel, one of their columnists. She was the uh, editor and publisher of The Nation magazine. 
quote, progressives can no longer cede school boards to the GOP. They should treat them as political arenas to fight and win. Today, the right is turning its attention to school boards and the consequences for progressives and students across the country could be dire. While most school board races are officially nonpartisan, most candidates nevertheless identify with a particular political ideology and securing wins down ballot can improve a movement prospect up ballot. By mobilizing conservative candidates to run for school elections and encouraging their base to disrupt public meetings, Republicans are building a strong organizational structure to help them fight culture wars on the ground and seize power from the bottom up. Progressives can no longer cede school boards to the GOP. They would be wise to treat those boards as political arenas to fight and win. And so she is, she is claiming that progressives should fight this fight. This month's gubernatorial election in Virginia demonstrated that culture wars being fought in local school boards can turn out voters and earn their support. Conservatives are planning to use the Glenn Youngkin playbook in 2022, but progressives have a playbook to follow as well. As my nation colleague John Nichols pointed out, on the same night Youngkin won, voters in one Wisconsin school district successfully stopped one of the aforementioned right-wing recall efforts. Progressive parents organized and communicated effectively about the value of a curriculum that embraces diversity and teaches students critical thinking. In other words, a local community mobilized to face conservative misinformation about CRT head-on and won on the merits. Please do this, seriously. Because going to war with parents, that's a losing proposition for Democrats. But parents have to get mobilized. They have to get motivated. They have to get mobilized. So here's what I want. Seriously, I'm, I'm making an ask of you today. If you are a parent in a school district, kids are going to public school or to private school, and they're being indoctrinated with this sort of garbage, please send whatever information you have to us here at Daily Wire, my personal email address is bshapiro at dailywire.com. I want you to send me that information so that we can put our investigative team on it. I want radical transparency for our public schools and yes, private schools that are indoctrinating students in ways that are absurd. I want parents broadly writ to know what their kids are learning, what the state and localities are teaching your kids in school. So if you have that information, check your kids' syllabi, check what the teachers are teaching your kids. And if you are spotting that your kids are being indoctrinated with radical gender ideology, that requires public explication. It requires public reporting. We have an investigative team here at Daily Wire. We've worked hard and spent a lot of money building it. Please send me personally your tips. I'm happy to pass that on to our investigative team. It's the most important issue in the country. The raising of the next generation and the values that we inculcate in that generation matter. And contra a lot of folks on the right who will say that schools are just supposed to teach you how to think, not what to think. What to think is very often a component of how to think. The left knows this. They want you to think through a certain, a certain framework about gender, about identity, about politics. Pushing back against that is an active good. Get involved today. Become, you got, as my mentor Andrew Breitbart once said, if you got a cell phone, you're not a reporter. Well, if you're a parent, you got a kid in school, it is up to you to make sure that the rest of the country knows what's going on in your school district. So again, my email address, bshapiro at dailywire.com for any tips on this particular subject. I think it's the most important subject in the country. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to the continuing quest by the left to erase people who counter their prevailing narratives. First, let's talk about a simple fact. The gas prices are up once more. I mean, they're like $6 a gallon in certain places in California. You need to be saving on gas. It's that simple. Thanks to Joe Biden. Let's go, Brandon. Well, here's the thing. You need get upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download that free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Shapiro. Get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. And that is up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free. Use promo code Shapiro to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. 
There is no catch. The cashback gets added directly to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download that free GetUpside app. Use promo code Shapiro to get up to 50 cents per gallon cashback on your very first tank of gas. That is code Shapiro. Go check out the GetUpside app right now. Use that promo code Shapiro. Get up to 50 cents per gallon cashback on your first tank of gas and 25 cents per gallon on every gallon after that. Alrighty, Austria has now announced and is now enforcing a lockdown for unvaxxed citizens. Could the same happen here? Well, if the federal government got its way, it very well could. Sign our petition against Joe Biden's vaccine mandate over at dailywire.com slash do not comply. Please help us send a message to the Biden administration. Americans are not just going to do whatever they are told to do. The more people sign the petition, the louder the message. That's why we are aiming to get to 1 million signatures. We have well over half a million already. Head on over to dailywire.com slash do not comply to sign that petition today. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Here's the thing. The culture that is created by the radicals in the schools, well, it bleeds up to every aspect of our culture. This is kind of an amazing story, and it is indicative of just where we stand as a culture right now. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone stars and filmmaker Chris Columbus are reuniting for a previously announced 20th anniversary retrospective on HBO Max. There's one notable omission from the list of participants, the person who created all of Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling. Why, of course? Well, we know the answer why. J.K. Rowling says that men exist and women exist. She has, as they say, a turf a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. When it became a radical feminist ideal to point out that women exist is beyond me. It's insane. So according to the left, you are now a radical feminist crazy if you oppose pornography and believe women exist. So welcome to the traditional conservative side of the aisle, J.K. Rowling. Harry Potter's 20th anniversary return to Hogwarts will stream January 1st on HBO Max with a linear debut on TBS and Cartoon Network in the spring, the failure to uh, to name it Rowling is interesting. Rowling sparked backlash, according to The Hollywood Reporter, from the trans community after saying that transgender individuals should be defined by their biological sex. Well, actually, no. What she said is that their biological sex is the only way that you can label people by sex. Proclaiming that a male is a female is idiotic, which is true. Sources close to the project note the retrospective will focus on the creation of the film and the central cast and team. Rowling will be featured in archival footage. She just won't make a new appearance. So they'll use the old footage of J.K. Rowling, but we have to pretend that she died years ago before she started with this whole women exist thing. It's incredible. We're now erasing some of the most prominent people in our culture over the fact that they believe that women exist. That is where we are right now. And this is part of a broader censorious push by the left to just get rid of anyone who disagrees with them. It's the reason why you see the left pushing on Facebook and pushing on YouTube and pushing on Twitter to bar people who disagree with them. Shutting off the, the access to the public is the only way of, uh, of allowing radicals to win. Because if these battles are fought in the public sphere, the left loses. The radical left will lose. Most Americans, most people on earth do not believe that men can become women. Most people in the West do not believe that you should be primarily identified as an oppressor or a member of an oppressed class based on an immutable characteristic. Most people don't believe that. And so that leaves the radical left with one choice. Try to shut down everybody who disagrees. And they're becoming more and more overt about this. It's not like they're hiding the ball anymore, right? Whether it is trying to get professors fired for mouthing platitudes like merit ought to matter more than race, or whether you're talking about Nicole Wallace on MSNBC suggesting that Fox News is like a terror group. I, I, I got to tell you, it is incredible to watch the left just unmask in real time. 
I don't know how you can talk way, about liars way, and think, conspiracy look, theorists without wanna, talking about Fox News. Wanna, I was a Republican. No, I think if, they've done more damage wanna, to the party than anything I'm else. I'm sure you do. But if we want to go through that, I think there are liars and conspiracy theorists on MSNBC and on CNN also. So maybe I'll write a book about all that. But that's not what this book is about. In that section of the book, I'm talking to Republicans about the way I believe we need to deal with media to be most effective for winning. The conspiracy theorists and truth deniers, which nobody else on either side of the aisle is writing about right now, other than me. No one else is writing about but that. But you want to solve them, is my question. If you want, want to solve wanna, the proliferation want, of conspiracy theories without I, dealing with Fox News, well, it's like solving terrorism without dealing with the terrorists. Well, look, that's your opinion. I disagree with your opinion. Okay, so Fox News is the promulgator of conspiracy theories, says the anchor on MSNBC, which MSNBC, which spent four long years claiming that the Steele dossier was probably real. Absolutely incredible stuff. Of course, the goal of saying that Fox News is like a terrorist group is to get Fox News thrown off the air. They've been very clear about all of this. This is the goal. If they can't win, then they will attempt to silence. That is what they're going to do at the school board level. It's why they are attempting to rip your kids away from you. It is why they are intent on indoctrinating your children without you being able to see over their shoulder. The goal is to control the entire narrative in every aspect of American life. And they will do that either by top-down strangleholds on institutions, or they will do it by essentially telling you that it's no business of yours how they raise your children. Well, the backlash is coming, and it's coming strong, and it should come, because this is the fight of our time, and it's the fight for the next generation. All right, we'll be back here a little bit later today with an additional hour of content. In the meantime, go check out our newest podcast, Morning Wire. On today's episode, they discuss Joe Biden meeting with President Xi Jinping of China. That episode is available right now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to tune in. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Post producer, Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. John Bickley here, Daily Wire editor-in-chief. Wake up every morning with our new show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, protesters gather for the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, whistleblower documents show the FBI is tracking threats to school boards, and Biden meets with China's president. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire.